Hume hits St Albans for six. The Knights and Green Gully share the points in dramatic style. Dandy City get themselves off the bottom of the table. And Brand gives his take on the 2021 Oscars. Ladies and gentlemen, it's the Match Week 9 episode of The Semi-Pro Potty. Welcome, everybody. That is the sound of a cold, crisp beer being opened amongst friends. And we are friends, all of us. Branson, you're my friend. How are you this week? I'm doing very well. Thank you, William. I am excited to be here. Almost didn't make it, mate. I had a bit of drama prior to the pod. Oh, no. Uh, Go on. Did you tell me about this off air? (laughs) No, so saving it for the pod, mate. We were... uh, uh, we record in the evening, so prior to the podcast, I was like, oh, yeah, I'll whip up some dinner. Uh, whilst preparing dinner, cut my finger on a can of lentils. So I am now appearing on the podcast with a uh, Band-Aid on my finger. Oh, no, man. Do you know Lentel me more about this? Yeah, no, that's that's about it. Yeah, I was making some veggie meatloaf, mate. Uh, opened up my can of lentils and uh, gave the finger a bit of a slice. So uh, Shit, that's yeah. no good. Uh, you had your tetanus shots? <laughs> No, I don't know. Maybe. Yeah, yeah. good answer. Yeah, Yeah. that's not going to come back to bite you. Um, Look, that's sad. I don't like (laughs) to think that there is ever any harm caused to anyone during the making of this podcast. So, look, uh, write into us at show at semipropotty.com and let us know if you've ever injured yourself while listening to this podcast. That would be um, terrible to hear. It would be, it would be, but I love the idea of uh, having people just email us and just uh, sending questions, because that's great. But, mate, do you know what else was great? Uh, going to guess something to do with football? Everything to do with football. To do yeah. Everything to do with the NPL Victoria. There we go. Almost butchered In it. In particular. Um, we almost butchered it, but we've saved it. Let's jump into the bit that you seem to be saving every week. Uh, what have you got on this week in the kit bag segment, Bran? Mate, I have a very special shirt because it's uh, quite sentimental for us. Uh, I am wearing the Russia 2018 World Cup home kit. Uh, it's red. It's great. Uh, but of course... <laughs> it's red. It's Russian. Yep. Yep. Uh, but of course, Russia 2018, that was where we met, mate, at the World Cup in Russia. So this jersey will forever remind me of that World Cup, of Russia, and of course of you and us. That's, and our, uh, yeah. that's a sweet way to start the kit bag segment. Yeah. Well, I'm also going for a, a seasonal, a topical one. Um, oh. I am absolutely chuffed with the changing of the seasons, but by golly, is it getting colder? So I'm wearing a Uniqlo flannelette shirt from 2019 wow. just so I can keep warm while doing the podcast. Um Excellent. Actually, this has kind of made me think. I don't think I've ever seen a soccer team do a flannelette-inspired pattern kit. That would be incredible. What's the difference between flannelette and tartan? What about uh, Scotland? Are we, are we, like, surely they would have had some sort of tartan kit. I feel I like it would be the kind of design where, like, UEFA or FIFA or some dickhead would turn around and be like, that's not up to broadcast standard. And you'd be like, oh, you squares. The age-old question of what's the difference between tartan and flannelette, but I like it. Do you I actually like know it. the answer to that? Because I, I feel like 
in the same sense that like what's the difference between like scotch and whiskey and it's like well scotch comes from scotland like maybe that's it tartan comes from scotland that's what makes it tartan perhaps i, I i'm googling as we speak mate uh, okay cool well that's that's good i mean this always works really know. well on different. The i don't know yeah. <laughs> <laughs> don't know no, no, we don't um, care. We only care about the NPL Victoria, mate. Let's fucking get into it. Ooh, swearing. Very excited. Ooh, spicy. Um, there was also one of the outtakes of this one where you said something quite aggressive. Might even put that at the end of the episode if I'm honest with you because it's quite funny. But what we're not going to put at the end of the episode, Branson, is us talking about football because we're into the main action. Here we go. The main event, Branson. Big one for this. Knights and Green Gully played out an absolute stonker of a game. Talk us through it. Yes, it was a thrilling game on Friday night. Green Gully playing host to the Melbourne Knights. There was a double dose of late drama in this one. Very exciting finish, but we are going to start from the start because it's my story, and I've decided that's what we're going to do. But Green Gully, I thought they were the far better team in the first half. I thought they looked a lot better than the Knights. They looked a lot more threatening. Luke Jago gave them the lead with a long-range strike from a corner routine, corner routine sorry, that was straight from the training ground. Uh, beautiful finish, played to him at the top of the box, curled it in, spec- oh, sorry, didn't curl it in, blasted it in. Uh, keeper got a hand to it but couldn't keep it out. It was a superb goal from Jago, gave Green Gully a well-deserved lead. Gully then had a huge chance to double the lead. Minutes later, Alex Salmon was one-on-one with the keeper, Manos but scooped his shot wide. Uh, at halftime, it was a 1-0 result to Green Gully, but it didn't really reflect the sort of dominance that they had. Uh, Green Gully had eight shots to the Knights, one in the first half, and for the Knights, that one shot came uh, in first half stoppage time too. So it was a very one-sided first half, but the second half, whatever the halftime talk was for the Knights at work, because Felipe Sanchez fired them level, Shortly after the break, after that, Gully had multiple good chances to go ahead in the second half, but couldn't manage to convert. Uh, they were made to pay, mate, when Matthew Breeze found the back of the net for the Knights with a sweet, sweet volley in the 89th minute. Superb finish, tucked at home. Knights go up 2-1. You're thinking, geez, they snatched three points here. It was a fantastic goal. It was worthy of winning any game, but, mate, I'll tell you what, it didn't. Didn't get the job done. There was more late drama. Sorry, pardon me. In the 91st minute, Green Gully on the attack, looking for the equaliser. Jago again uh, tried to curl a strike in. This one bounced off the post. Alex Salmon, first to react, perfect spot to get the rebound. Got his shot on target and across the line, albeit barely. Uh, Tom Manos, the Knights goalkeeper, was able to block the shot but couldn't stop it from creeping over the line. Uh, the linesman flag that it went over. Gully snatch a late draw at the death. Absolute grandstand finish. Uh, exciting stuff. 89th minute goal and then a 91st minute goal in this one. Overall, though, I thought Gully were the better side on the night. They had twice as many shots and I thought that they would be disappointed because they really couldn't capitalize on their dominance, uh, in particular in the first half. But then again, in the second, uh, they should have scored more than one goal prior to the 91st minute. Got a bit lucky in the end to get that equaliser. It would have been harsh if they hadn't got at least one point from it. On the other side of things, it would have been a real smash and grab for the Knights to come away with all three points. 
Having said that, though, they'd still be disappointed that they took the lead in the 89th minute and still didn't come away with the win. So, I mean, it's a really, really mixed bag, you know. Gully, happy with a point because they were losing late but should have had more. The Knights, uh, if you look at just the stats and the feel of the game, would be happy with a point, but then they led late, so they'd be disappointed. So, mate, real mixed bag of emotions, but this was a fascinating clash, and this is what I want to talk to you about because these are two sides who are very close on the table. The Knights were up the top early. Green Gully have sort of climbed up there. The two went head-to-head. Which of these two teams do you see finishing higher come the end of the season, Gully or the Knights? It's an interesting one because I think Knights, what I've found in the last couple of rounds, have just had this propensity to have drama happen to them late, and it's probably detrimental to actually finishing high in a league table season. So I think off the back of some of the chaos that Knights are bringing, probably Gully, but there's just a bit of an X factor about Knights at times where sometimes they're really exciting to watch, and I think that that could hold them in good stead. But look, you could cast a handkerchief over the two of them as to where they're going to be in the table. I think they'll be there or thereabouts with each other, but I don't know. At this stage, I'm going to say the Knights. I'm finding them really entertaining. Even if they're not playing their best, they're still getting points and playing well and causing drama, and it's always entertaining to see. But I think we'll probably look back at the end of the season on a number of fixtures where they probably drop points from winning positions, and it will just add up to a lot of points. And you'll kind of, we'll kind of be a bit shocked by where they are on the table because of that. Um, but, hey, I'm really excited by Knights. And, look, I thought, just thought this was a ripper game and I really enjoyed every bit of it. Yeah, and I hadn't been super in- impressed at many stages with Green Gully this season. They've sort of one of those teams who have sort of underperformed for me a little bit. But I thought against the Knights, they looked really good. They showed a lot. But even then, they couldn't come away with all three points. So still work to do. But, mate. I want to talk about the next game. South Melbourne taking on Dandenong City. Top of the la- sorry, top of the league against bottom of the league. What happened? Mate, this was a an upset, a really big upset. And I've got to say, it wasn't just a score sheet upset. I thought Dandy City played really well in this game. And you said it there. You know, top of the table, South Melbourne, looking nigh on unstoppable in the first, what, six rounds? What are we? Brand, how many rounds are we in? I have no idea. Eight. Nine. Nine. Close. Awesome. It's match week nine. Um, uh, and then, you know, Dandy City being pretty heavily anchored to the bottom, and we've been talking about it for week on week. Um, and it was a weird one where it probably looked like a slow start for both teams, which definitely suited Dandy City because I think it gave them a little bit of belief. And and I think it was about the 30th minute, Marco Delic would go bang and curl Ripper of a shot into the top right-hand corner. Uh, they gave Dandy a 1-0 lead, and they held that lead going into half time. and I was really impressed with how they were playing. Obviously, South Melbourne looked good and just looked a little bit more refined, a little more polished, but, you know, Dandy City were holding their own. Um, and we've probably been in games before where we've seen them play like this, and we know that they can score early, but then they'll concede, and, and that's it for them. Um, but... To be honest with you, I thought they played really well. There were some outstanding saves from Yasmin Karanovic uh, in goal for Daniel City, though. That really is what kept them in the game. So they're kicking along pretty nicely in the second half, making save after save, keeping that clean sheet protected. But Daniel Clark will pull off a little bit of nifty footwork in the penalty area. He would get himself a yard of space, fired it at the near post, past Karanovic, 1-1. And... As much as South Melbourne probably had the better of chances, 
for the rest of the game and even building up to that goal. Dandy City deserved their point. You know, it would finish 1-1, shared points, but that's a really good result if you're Dandenong City because South, Mel- South Melbourne won't be too upset. They remain undefeated. They're still looking really pretty, but I don't know. It's a weird one to say positively, but that's three draws on the trot now for Dandy City. And I can just, the only way I can frame that is that it's better than three losses. And they're starting to perform well. I, I'm actually, I was really impressed with Dandy City out of this one. Look, there was a little bit of chaotic goal line defending and clearances and last ditch tackles and all of that sort of nonsense and some outstanding goalkeeping. But mm, I don't know. It's a really good sort of performance for them to get a point away with. So, Bran, I want to ask you Dandy City, three draws on the trot. What does it mean? I think it means they're heading in the right direction. I think it shows that there are positive signs for them. I mean, prior to those three draws in a row, I think they've lost five in a row. So as you said, three draws are certainly better than three losses. So the the two most recent draws as well have come against pretty good opposition in Green Gully and now South Melbourne. So considering you're on the bottom of the table to get a point from the team who's on top, uh, you'd definitely be happy with that. I think they look more resolute or, or, or more composed on the field, less chaotic, I suppose, is how you more organized, I guess. Uh, in particular at the back, it doesn't look like... It's weird. Shoot. I wouldn't call them more organized, but less chaotic is a really good way to put it. Like, Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. It's, it's a tough one. I'm like, they're, they're not exactly a great finished product, but they're looking a bit more well-structured at least. So I think that's a big positive, but, you know, they they still need a win. For South Melbourne, I think this is a very disappointing result. You know, taking on the bottom side, albeit away from home, you'd want to be beating them. Uh, come the end of the season, I mean, it's going to be the same for every team. We're going to look back at results and go, oh, that's one that got away. This is one that got away. The only thing I will say, again, is we have seen a late South Melbourne goal salvage a result. We've said that a few other times where they've got goals that have won them the game. This time it was a late goal that got them a draw. So, again, if that's a positive sign for them, a draw is better than a loss. But, no. Yeah, it's an interesting it's one, though, because I think even that, things, like... But they just got to get a win, mate. Yeah, and I think one bit with that that's, uh, like, they could have definitely scored more South Melbourne, and, and by them scoring late, it probably is not an accurate reflection on the game, but uh, I don't know. Dandy City made it hard for them to score. It was really good. Um, but anyway, let's jump on, because we had another Ripper game next. Um, Avondale... They did beat Dandenong Thunder, but they made it mighty interesting, Bran. Talk me through this one. Yeah, well, this was a very good game to watch. Very entertaining, very enjoyable. Avondale got the points in the end with a 2-1 victory over Dandenong Thunder. They left it late. But uh, once again, man, I'm going to start at the start. Dandenong really took it to Avondale on this one. They came out of the blocks as the better side. They came out firing. They weren't. Uh, they weren't uh, timid or anything at all. I thought they looked great to start off the game. They had some great chances early on too. There was a sizzling effort from Suleimani that went just over the bar and a deflected shot that hit the crossbar too. They were looking very threatening early. Uh, Avondale, though, to their credit, they weathered the storm, opened the scoring midway through the first half. Liam Boland scored a free kick from long range. It was a deep free kick, the kind of one where he shaped up to shoot and you go, he's not going to shoot from there. Like, that's not going to go in. Uh, But it did. It did. Went in via a deflection, albeit, but it did find the back of the net. 
powerful strike. So full credit to him for uh, proving me wrong. So I'm lining up for the shot. I'm like, oh, I don't know about that. But uh, that gave Avondale the lead, not against the run of play, but it wasn't exactly a fully deserved lead in my opinion. Full credit to the Thunder, though. They didn't roll over. It felt like once Avondale took the lead, it's like, all right, here we go. They've got the lead. They've settled. They're going to crack this one wide open. But that didn't happen. Uh, Dandenong were great. Their effort paid off. Bernada brought the thunder level just before the 70th minute. A low cross found him in acres of space in the box, and he made no mistake. Well-deserved equaliser there for Dandenong. The last 20 minutes were hectic as well. It was proper end-to-end stuff. You felt like there was another goal in it, but you had no idea who was going to score it. Uh, Bernada had a Thunder's best chance to take a lead, but he was denied by another great save from Roy Bryan, who made a clutch stop against Port Melbourne too. There was a great ending in store, an entertaining way to end an entertaining game, mate. Christos Theodorakopoulos netted the winner for Avenel with 30 seconds left in the game. Uh, his low shot found the bottom corner. Good hit by him. Uh, sent Avondale home happy, claimed a big three points for them. It tightens the gap up the top as well. But, mate, I don't want to talk too much about Avondale because I want to talk about Dan and on Thunder because I was very, very impressed by them. I thought they more than held their own in this one. I thought they looked the better of the two sides for large chunks of this game. Uh, when Avondale took the lead, as I said, I thought that they'd go on to crack it open, but Dan and on stayed in it, wrestled. Uh, almost control and dominance of the game back. So they had a bunch of chances as well, the Thunder. They had more shots than Avondale too. It felt like they deserved at least a draw, but unlucky not to get one. Um, Again, on the flip side for Avondale, good three points to get. A little bit lucky though. Yeah, and there's definitely been Avondale not firing on all guns, but man, I agree. Like I thought we were going to really be watching a struggling Dan and on Thunder this season, but... I've been really impressed with their performances as well. And, you know, I don't know. I'm always intrigued by what's the midpoint of the season going to look like and are teams going to strengthen and bring in any X-factor players in order to push their sort of chances forward. And I'm now looking at Dandy Thunder, wondering whether or not they can make finals based on some of the performances they're putting in. Well, I have heard as well that apparently Dan and Ong Thunder have signed Hamish Watson, a former striker for the Melbourne Knights as well. So... He could be a good signing. Uh, he's no Brandon Barnes in terms of replacing that sort of Who goal scoring. Yeah, yeah. I mean, only Brandon Barnes pretty much. So he's not on that level, but it should definitely help them uh, put the ball in the back of the net a little bit more often. Mate, the next game I want to talk about, though, is Heidelberg United taking on Port Melbourne. Bit of a Greek derby here. Always a fascinating clash. You had some eyeballs on this. What happened? Fascinating clash, and I think it just uh, Port Melbourne returning back to a little bit of poor form, which you know we have sort of lamented them in the past for being quite inconsistent with their performances. But I would more say this is Heidelberg starting to hit their strides. You know they're looking quite good. It was two nil in the first half. Um, Taruka Okada opened the scoring after a nice little cutback ball, found him within six yards, a bit of a tap in. Um, and then just before the halftime break, I think it was around the 44th minute, um, Port failed to deal with a sort of a long corner that came in, diving sort of header to put it back into maybe two yards out where it was tapped in. Um, so, look, close range goals 
that Port Melbourne have conceded, but it was 2-0 at the break and just Heidelberg looked really strong. Um, wasn't too much more to report out of Port Melbourne. They were a bit lacklustre and came out of the sheds a lot better. Um, they looked at least positive and had a bit of endeavour, forcing a good save from Theodorides before Amarche would score a beauty near post flick on header off of a corner to bring it back to 2-1. And just their reaction to that goal, you know, they were up and about. They looked like they were ready to make a bit of a challenge, but uh, Heidelberg took pretty strong control of the rest of the game. Their third goal would come from a red card penalty for a handball, which I always thought was a bit, uh, it's a bit of a soft penalty and red card to give away. But I'm so glad there's not VAR, so I don't care. Um, But... That would see out the game. 3-1, Heidelberg on paper, impressive performance on the park, impressive performance. Port Melbourne had maybe 10 to 15 minutes where they looked up and about, but uh, it's not enough to win a match, particularly when the other team scores three against you. So thoroughly deserving performance and win and three points for Heidelberg. Um, but, Brand, I can't believe we're getting through this one later, but this was just a drubbing this next one. Hume 6 and Auburn's nil. Talk to me about it, mate. Well, I mean, Jobbing's right. It was an absolute demolition. Hume would just, I mean, they were on fire. Uh, coming off the back of that Ripper 4-3 game with Thunder last week as well, they just absolutely torched St. Albans. Andy Brennan, Josh Brigham and Mitch Cooper scored for, uh, sorry, scored for Hume in the first half. Brennan scored again in the second half, as well as Theo Markellis and Khan. Ellie Bowl, sorry. Uh, Hume were just on another level for the for the whole game. Everything was just working for him. Uh, their three goals in each half came in a 15-minute spell. All three were great. St. Albans, uh, sorry, all three, all six were quality goals. St. Albans, I think, would have wished they'd done a little bit better as I just said that they were all quality goals. I do remember that the first one came from a rebound. So they're good there. I thought, you were about to say that, I thought you were about to also have a sentence where you're like, I, I reckon St. Albans had wished that they had probably conceded less goals in this game. I'm like, pretty sure you say about every team and particularly teams that concede six in a game. No, just just having an internal debate on which adjectives to use to describe the goal and then after picking my selected... <laughs> Deflection is the adjective. Picking Rebound, my selected sorry. adjective, I realised that that probably <laughs> wasn't quite the one. But anyway... So, Hume, everything they touched turned to goal. Get it? Everything they touched turned to goal. I like that a goal. lot. Yeah. yeah. Um, great way to bounce back from last week's loss too. Uh, they showed, I thought, in this game in particular, why we thought at the start of the year they would be such a dangerous team. Uh, the biggest thing for them, though, is they need some consistency. They haven't had a had games with back-to-back points since round one and two, uh, when they had two draws. Since then, it's been loss, win, loss, win, loss, win. So what they really need to do is start stringing some results together, build up some consistent form, so that way they can climb up the table. St. Albans, though, I want to talk about them because they were very disappointing. They only managed one shot in the first half, four shots for the entire game. Of those four, only two were on target as well. I mean, it's always going to be hard to to win a game when you ship six, but they really didn't have a lot going forward either. Um, And I want to talk a little bit more about the Saints, mate, because they are sort of sneaky bad at the moment where they are sliding (laughs) and we haven't really talked about them in too much depth, but they now find themselves 
at the wrong end of the table. They sit just above the relegation zone, but they are going through a really bad patch at the moment. They've had four defeats in a row, haven't scored in any of those games. They are six games without a win. Uh, This 6-0 loss was their second big defeat. They lost to Port Melbourne 5-0 in round six as well. I mean... It, it, things have taken a turn for the worse for them. They started off strong. They had two wins and two draws in their first four, but they've just got goals in the league with five, and they've conceded the most in 19, which is never a good recipe for winning or, you know, avoiding Shit. relegation. You don't <laughs> yeah. say. No, 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 shocker. But if you've conceded the most and scored the fewest, that is not ideal. Uh, they sit just above the relegation zone, as I said. But, mate, what do you think about the Saints? They're really struggling. Are they going to be able to turn things around? And, like, we were very fond of them at the start of the year. We thought they were great. But since then, they found the going really, really tough. What do you think of them? I'm I'm on the fence with them at the moment because there's nothing like a couple of games of bad form to, you know, start to bring in the dross and the the naysayers. But... Oh, they could turn it around with a good win next week. I don't think they're at panic stations. Don't think they need to worry about it. I think it's just, it's a long season. They're in a bit of a slump. Now they've got to get themselves out of it. And look, to be honest with you, sometimes a big loss is a perfect tonic for being hairdryer treatment at full time. Go back to training next week. Completely forget about every result you've had before and just turn around and put in a good performance next week. So I don't think they're going to be too badly placed at the end of the season, but it's also relative to the other teams at the bottom of the table. And if Dandy City start playing well and maybe Artoni get some wins on the board, then, yeah, it looks a whole lot more dicey. Yeah, so the only thing that I was going to say on that was, I, as you said, with, like, the hairdryer moment, you have a big loss and then that sort of awakens you or, like, uh, brings you back to reality and sparks something. I thought that was going to happen after the Port Melbourne game. And then they lost the next one and now they got pumped 6-0. So it's sort of like... It still could happen, but it's... I it's, feel like 6 six nils the hairdryer scoreline, though. Is it? Like, What's 5 nil? Yeah. 5 nil is... 5 nil is the other team wasn't good enough to score 6 past you. Like, I feel <laughs> like if you're going to go to the effort of scoring 5, you've got to score 6. Like... I mean, you may as well, right? It's just rude. Yeah, like, it's, it's lazy if you don't. Like, if you beat them so convincingly that you beat them 5, you've got to score a 6. That's just my rule of, of thumb with football. Yeah, but you're a fit. Fulham fan, so you're probably not aware of this whole scoreline that you get. But wow. Branson, that was a real jab at you there. Um, well, I'm going to jump on. I'm going to jump on to the next one because this one's a little bit of a short one because this was absolutely dominated by one side. It was Altona versus Bentley. Sort of mentioned it before. Altona, not the greatest team in the league at the moment, and bang. They were not the greatest team in this fixture. It was all Bentley. Pierce Waring opened the scoring for Bentley Greens. A lovely curled shot from distance in the mm. 23rd minute. A little over 10 minutes later, Broly got in behind the defense and controlled a long ball for a nice finish. Just 2-0 at half time. Probably could have been more. Bentley were great. Second half was much the same. Just dominant performance by Bentley, but they weren't particularly outstanding. It was just a very wet fish of an Altona Magic team that rocked up and was just lacklustre in every department. And uh, there's just some games that you watch and you go, can this fucking end? Because there's just no point to it. And this could have easily been like, it would actually be kind of good if, the, you know, how you can get like the, um, the Optus Sport mini matches now. 
where like you can watch like a ripper game in 25 minutes. I just think they should shorten terrible games to 25 minutes. Right. And this would have been a perfect candidate for it because there was one team in this and it was Bentley and it's very bad for Altona. But they've been poor for most of the season. Um, but what are your thoughts on Altona's situation and performances, Bran? Grim, they're on the bottom of the table, mate. I think they need to change their club name to Altona Muggle because there is nothing... <gasps> Nothing magical about him, mate. Nothing magical about him at the oh, moment. Branson Gibson on Oscar week with a film reference to Harry Potter. This is fucking scenes. Harry Potter, the, <laughs> the, the nichest of, of, of films. Of but, all, uh, yeah. Yeah, technically yeah. probably a book if we're honest with ourselves. But we're oh, not. Yeah, hey, true. Branson. Yeah, both. Do you know what? who was honest with themselves on the weekend? Who? Oakley Cannons. They were honest four times to Eastern Lions one time. Right. Talk us through it, mate. Love the segue. Um, the scoreline on this one, mate, let me tell you, it is a little misleading. It looked like there was an upset, big upset on the cards. Uh, the Lions got off to a fast start when Adi Ahmedi gave them the lead just seven minutes into the game. Unfortunately, though, for the Lions, the lead didn't last long. Tyson Holmes brought the cannons level 10 minutes later. It was 1-1 at the break, but Oakley were just too good in half. Matt Thurtell gave them the lead before a Joe Knowles brace clinched the win and the three points for the Cannons. Uh, Strong result for Oakley. They did well to overcome the early deficit. They were just too good for the Lions, really. Uh, Eastern were all right. Obviously great that they took the lead. Uh, but they did have more chances throughout the game too, chance to draw a level and extend the lead, a couple of things like that. They weren't super threatening, but uh, I didn't think they were lackluster or hopeless, where is where the, the scoreline might be a little bit misleading. Um, Oakley were just too good. The Lions just couldn't match the cannons for firepower, mate. What do you think? No, look, I just think it's a really good performance by Oakley. We're starting to see it and... I didn't see the game, so I don't know how much that scoreline flatters to deceive that win. But I think we've learned something this season. It's Eastern Lions. They ain't bad. Um, So, look, upsetting result for them, but uh, it's a good Oakley team. Um, Another couple of people who aren't going to be upset, Bran, we did our tips last week pretty well. We're very inconsistent with tips. We either go good or bad, and I think this is our first week. We got five out of seven. Seven? seven. Five out of seven, correct. 14 divided by two, everyone playing at home. <laughs> um, five's good. It's, it's it not setting the world on fire, but, hey, if we do that every week, we're in with a chance here. Your oh. mum also got five, which she is, did. like, just, she's got to be beating us in tips. I haven't been keeping score because I've been too afraid that she is, but I do believe so. She yeah. has tipped five multiple times. Yeah, uh, that's what I mean, is, like consistency. Yeah. We're just so inconsistent. Yeah, this is um, our first time tipping five. We did tip six once, but this is our second highest score. But uh, good on us. What At what point would you get a ta- If we get a perfect round, would you get a tattoo of that round's fixtures and scores? Yep, yep. Cool, oh, that's be, so good. Oh, it's so be, good because this is on this is on air. So you kind of, I can bring up the evidence. You kind of have to do it. We can kind of get the score lines and then in like a semi-pro potty shaped love heart or something. I don't know. 
or in, on a sure. Trophy. I don't know. We it's, find... it's your body, mate. You get yeah. on it, whatever you I'm want. I'm also not an artist, so I have no idea how we'd make that work. But um... You don't say. Um, uh, Tony, your girlfriend also got three tips just to round out that. But, Bran, let's also recap the ladder because out in front, despite their little blip, dropped points against Dandy City, South Melbourne atop on 19 points. Still undefeated. Still undefeated, and I think we're starting to see a very good break in the table of top, mid, bottom. So at the top of the table, we've got South Melbourne, Avondale, and Heidelberg are in two and three respectively on 18 points. Then making up this really nice glut of middle sort of teams, we've got Oakley Cannons, Knights, Hume City, and Bentley Greens, all separated by one point. They are between 15 and 14 points. That's pretty much your final spots. Green Gully are in eighth on 12 points. Spoke about them before. They're starting to look pretty good. Dandenong Thunder in ninth on 11 points. Port Melbourne in 10th on nine points. And then we get to the bottom four. And this is where we've got Eastern Lions, eight points with St. Albans Saints. And Dandenong City on equal points without Tone Magic. But, man, Dandy City, they're off the bottom of the table for the first time this season and not for goal difference. For goals four, they've yeah. scored more goals four than Altona Magic. So it's hardly anything to sing and crawl about. Well, I mean, off the bottom is off the bottom, you know. The fashion in which you get off there does not necessarily count. Uh, Said like a true Fulham fan. Wow. Yeah, Great. yeah. But again, unfortunately for Dandenong City, much like Fulham, more than the bottom team go down. So uh, still mm. work to do. But that really is a fascinating ladder when you read through it. Uh, I think this is the teams, first round where we're starting to see a little bit of a sort of formation within the table. Yeah, well, nine nine weeks in, you know, it's starting to take quite or well, starting to take shape. So. I think it'll be really interesting to see what happens. There's still plenty of scope for teams to climb, still plenty of scope for teams to fall. It is still quite contest, uh, congested in there. But, uh, mate, I'm looking forward to it. Looking forward to um, seeing what plays out. Exactly. Uh, look, this the NPL Women's Victoria this week is in a bit of an interesting point. There was only two games that had been completed at the start of the podcast. So... We're going to leave a review to next week because we just can't even pick the table based off of it. So Calder United did put four past Bayside to win 4-0. That's pretty on brand for Calder United. Alamein and Heidelberg had a 1-1 draw. Uh, tonight, I believe, Branson, is South Melbourne versus FB Emerging and Bulleen versus Box Hill. So I think next week we'll do a little bit more of a ripper update across those games and the table because it is highly unchanged from this based off of not having a completed round in. Yes, well, we are watching the games live as well as we record the podcast. Can report that Baleem are in the lead over Box Hill early, uh, but he, the South Melbourne FE Emerging is deadlocked at nil all, mate. Good score update. And look, we're going to take a... Oh, no, Branson's aggressively pointing to himself in Discord, by the way, everyone. What do you want, mate? Go on. What do well, you need? Not- we're not going to take a break just yet. We're going to take a quick, very quick little detour to the MPL2 and the NPL3, mate, and just have a little bit of the ladder there. Please. I mean, why, not? why not? Why don't you do it? I've got no idea what you're talking about. Well, Brunswick City are on top, mate, in the MPL2. They have four wins and a draw in their five games played. Kingston 
Goulburn Valley and Lang Warren round up the top four of the MPL2. They're all in a tight race for top spot. Manningham United, though, they're the wrong end of the table. They are yet to win a game. They have five consecutive losses to start the season in MPL2. In MPL3, the mighty Preston Lions, they sit atop the NPL ladder. They're looking to climb up the divisions. They're undefeated, four wins and one draw. They are just ahead of Doveton SC in second place, one point behind. You then have Melbourne City and Western United rounding out the top four in the NPL three. Down the bottom, though, in second last, you have Nunawading City, and at the bottom, you have Ballarat City. Uh, that's that's not great, but both of those have cut wins in the FFA yeah. Cup. I was going to say, Nutterwadding have got Knights next, don't they? No, not Knights. Uh, Heidelberg? Nutterwadding beat Heidelberg. I can't That's remember. Right. I can't remember who they've got in the next round. But uh, I think Ballarat- they've got an NPL side. I think they've. I think no. I, fuck, who is it? We should know this. <laughs> this is why I can't chuck shit in the podcast without telling me. <laughs> I fucking panic. Um, and Ballarat City beat Altona. So while they are at the wrong end of the NPL, <laughs> that's not table, hard. <laughs> it's not. They still have more wins over uh, uh, NPL opponents than Dandenong and Altona. Sorry, it took me a second to get that sentence out. But, mate, that completes my uh, unscripted tour of the... Uh, I like it. We should do it more. We should absolutely do it more. We should be looking at the lower leagues. We just lack a whole... Like, we barely prepare for this stuff. But mate, what we, we are going to prepare for... Prepare. We absolutely do. We're great. We're dynamite. This is all off the top of our head, by the way. We don't have a run sheet. That's no. We just make this up as we go. Um, but we're going to make up a little bit of a break here, and you guys can join us back part two very shortly for this episode of This is Robotic. And welcome back to the second half. The better half? The worse half. The less prepared half, I'd say, Branson. Um, it sounds like the everything half based off that description. It is. Eh? What, what is yeah. it? Um, informative and intelligent. So let's jump into it because the first section, that's so semi-professional. Bran, what did you see in the world of football this week that was a bit semi-professional? Well, I'm going to start off on a bit of a negative note, mate, which is unfortunate. But we've got to get the negatives out of the way. Uh, there were fights in the New South Wales NPL game between Rockdale and Sydney United. We saw clashes between the different spectator groups there, which is something that we never want to see. Um, you know, it just sort of ruins the reputation for football, in particularly the NPL, which... You know, we love the cultural identity. We love the tie-in, but it's never great to see that sort of take a turn for the worse. Um, there was a little bit of uh, some scenes at the Springvale Preston game in the MPL 3 the other week too here in Victoria. So we want to try to stamp that out. So that was definitely on the semi-side of professionalism. Nothing that we want to see in the MPL, mate. But what's something semi-professional that you saw? Um, I saw on Twitter last week, uh, we recorded it, uh, no, we didn't record it. We liked it. Whatever you do on Twitter, you don't record stuff on Twitter yet. Um, it was Western United versus Wellington Phoenix, I believe. And the tickets had AFL insignia on them. So, like, you bought a ticket to the A-League and they just kind of, like, printed it on an AFL Ticketek ticket. And I'm like, oh, like, I know that we're, I know that no one cares about 
football in Australia. But like, that's just a real stab in the kidneys. That one, that one hurts. <laughs> yeah, that I hadn't seen that actually. That's that's just a classic. That's pretty brutal. It's uh, quite bad. Um, what have you got, Brand? What's next? Um, one thing that I saw was uh, lots of clubs as well. We were talking about the Super League last week. Lots of clubs like claiming titles. Like, you know, there was talk <laughs> yeah. of like ex- expelling like the big six in, in England from the Premier League. So all of a sudden like Wolves are like, yep, you know, we won the yeah. Premier League in 2012, 2013. Yeah, and great. Hampton won it in whatever <laughs> year. And then um, all these other, you know, like random clubs like Spartak won the Champions League because Spartak Moscow because everyone else got eliminated and, and yeah. stuff like that. So literally very semi-professional these professional clubs claiming titles. I'm like, you know what? I was, I was all for it. I quite, I quite liked it. So I, I thought that was good. I, I can't believe that was a week ago now that I think of it. Yeah. That's fucked. Like that felt like a three months ago. I remember for the first three days, everyone was just calling me like, what's this Super League about? And why is everyone reacting so negatively for it? I'm like, do you, do you want the alphabetical list or the chronological list? Because it's just, I can't believe that was only seven days ago. For that to have been announced vehemently opposed, protested quite well by Leeds, I've got to say as well. Um, yes. Then redacted, apologies issued. Like, God, that's fuck. A lot happens in a week. <laughs> Brand, a lot happens in a week. Um, the only other thing that I think I got out uh, of that as well, and it uh, kind of ties into that. Um, professional. Yeah, it kind of ties into that Super League thing. There was just a lot of people equating the Super League uh, or comparing the Super League to the A-League. Now, mm. I wouldn't, I don't think I would have got into soccer as easily as I did without the A-League. And I did enjoy a lot of the early seasons of the A-League. And I think the season is a ripper season. And I understand some of the parallels that can exist around not having promotion relegation, but it does have other controls like salary caps to and a final series. So I don't know. I just think oh, there's there's always going to be this infighting within football and not for me to say that the purists are not correct or that I'm correct. There's no right or wrong here. But at a point, there's just a bit of me that really enjoys having a fully professional league in Australia and I would much rather have the A-League and introduce promotion relegation than not have had the A-League and have had promotion relegation in a league that I felt like I couldn't properly get access to. So I don't know. I just think we're at a point where let's just enjoy football and for mine it's getting fucking harder and harder to do that by the day in the professional sphere. So, Yeah, it's a a weird one. I totally agree where there's certainly parallels that can be drawn and People pointed it out on Twitter as well, some of the similarities there. But, again, I don't think it's a like-for-like comparison. I think, you know, the footballing scene in Australia is just totally different. The the setup and everything is mm. it does not match up to the way it does in England as well and Europe with the whole pyramid and everything. So I understood the sentiment, but I didn't think it was a, a, a fully accurate I, like-for-like I think one comparison. Thing- and I think one thing I would like is I would like it to be less preachy and shouty from the extremities. So people shouldn't be yelling from the rafters that the A-League is the best thing in professional league in Australia and there shouldn't be people yelling from the right completely denouncing it. Like you, you should have discussion in the middle and I think 
hopefully that's where football's getting to is that we bring it back to the middle and we make it enjoyable for all fans. But I do see the the sort of similarities, but I just go, I, I just enjoy football and I can't shake the memories I've had of the A-League. They've been great. And I'm really enjoying the memories I'm making around the NPL now. And I don't think it has to be an either or. Yep, totally agree, mate. Totally agree. Um, Bran, next bit. What did you like out of football this week? Well, talking about the uh, the European Super League, one thing that I liked <laughs> that came across Twitter, great account. It's up there for my favourite football account. I, I'd, I'd have it level with uh, crap 90s football, but it was uh, things that lasted longer than the European Super League. So it's just an account. They tweet out things because the ESL lasted, what, two days? Before oh, it got shut that, down. like 36 hours maybe? Yeah, like it was within 48 hours that English clubs started pulling out. Um, but also the that... moral high ground of Manchester City pulling out. And was it Manchester City and Chelsea? Yeah, they were the first two, yeah. Oh, fucking hell. It the second really... we're leaning on them for a moral compass, we're in a really yeah. bad state. Well, and also how about PSG who didn't even sign up in the first place? PSG who are owned by Qatar and have literally yeah. made it their mission to try to like buy the French League and buy the Champions League, all of a sudden going, no, 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 we're all for equal competition here at PSG. And you're like, Christ on bike. Anyway, so the things that lasted longer than the ESL uh, Twitter account, definitely worth checking out. There's some good ones in there, like uh, the Suez Canal ship block. That went for <laughs> yeah, six good. days, so that's a good shout. And another one that I particularly liked was, uh, do you remember Leeds United's new proposed badge? It was like the one with the... Oh, um, yeah. The yeah. fan with the shirt and then the fist over the crest or whatever yeah. that lasted longer than the ASL at four days as well. So it's a good that uh, that, all, that got a similar level of derision, if I'm not correct. Though <laughs> that was quite poorly received. That logo, yes, terrible. Um, other things that it's got, uh, like you know, the Titanic's voyage and just like a Formula One race weekend, which literally lasts a weekend, <laughs> which is long, a Grand Prix hey, weekend. On, the, on a note of that, I'm actually I've been watching Formula One this year. I'm actually really enjoying it. It's quite good again. It is. It is. Maybe we should do a Formula One podcast. Well, we, wow. We could be. Uh, we'd be even oh, less. Let's just do better. this one a bit better. Let's just yeah, do this one no, 10% better. That's good. Well, you could maybe next week we compare every MPL side to Formula One teams. That'd be Ooh. a fun overlap. Could Bentley be. Greens would be Kimi Raikkonen 2006. Wow. Great. Cool. Cool. Yeah. Anyway, um, what yeah, else? Back, back Back, back to uh, back to football related stuff. Another thing that I liked, uh, Mitch Langerak. We mentioned him a couple of times. His clean sheet record, I think it made it to nine games uh, before he conceded, which extended the record. But that is a fantastic feat. Nine consecutive clean sheets. Stunning effort by him. Very well done. Big congratulations to Mitch Langerak from that perspective. But uh, you love to see it, mate. Yeah, very nice. You do. Always good to see Aussies uh, abroad doing well. Um, I'm going to jump to one of mine. I um, I really liked the, um, what's it called? The Optus Sport Football Belongs series that they did for Italy. Um, ah, just, I live quite close to Carlton. Um, and just seeing... Marco Bresciano, Vincenzo Grella, John Aloisi, uh, Santo Cellaro talking about Italian football culture in Australia. 
Oh man, it was just great. I just want more of that. I kind of miss kind of miss that I wasn't like, you know, in Melbourne in the eighties or sixties or seventies. I feel like I would have had a great time and just really enjoyed it. So I, I'm all for that level of content. There was also one old Italian guy who had one of the greatest claims I've ever heard in my life. He was like, Australia was built from migrants, which I think is a very correct statement. And he says, before we came here, there was no concrete. I'm like, dude, I, like, I just love that you're claiming concrete. It's like, <laughs> it is the literal foundation of our society. And he's just like, yeah, no, like concrete didn't exist here until we rocked up. And I'm like, Jesus, you're so not wrong. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean, maybe, maybe. I don't know. I'm not, I don't, I don't know if I can prove him wrong yet. But uh, I, I really like the football belong stuff as well. I like what Optus Sport did with that. They, I think this is season two. They did a bunch of stuff on specific clubs last year as well and they did the Preston Lions one the Preston yeah. Lions one was really good and yeah and now it's sort of focusing more on specific countries and cultures which is it's it's great to see it's really it's a very unique aspect of football in Australia that does need to be celebrated celebrated it does yeah yeah absolutely um and not even remembered empowered for yep. new memories to be made i think that's yep. the big thing we need to go back to a little bit more of our roots um Branson, I can't even see if you've got anything else on yours. Have you got I've, anything that you want to I've do? Got, I've got two very quick ones. I mean, we've touched on the Super League. I just like that it's done and dusted. It's a terrible idea uh, yeah. in the first place for all the wrong reasons. Can I also say I'm very glad that it got the level of hatred it got because I feel like it puts it back a good 10 to 15 years. Yeah. Like, I just I cannot think of a flight. Like, I mean, we've then got the stupid-ass UEFA Champions League format that they want to push, oh, but yeah. I'm just kind of done with professional football in general at the moment, so whatever. Um, but I think the, the level of hatred that it received from a lot of people means that that's not going to resurface for another 10 to 15 years. It's great. Yeah. And, and it was good to see the fans win for once, I yeah. think. You know, like yeah. the fans' football in general came out on top in this one. I've got something that I reckon you will like, and it is the uh, Avondale walkout song. If you were to pick Avondale's walkout music, what would it be, mate? Okay, so they play at Avenger Park, Italian. Who's that really good Italian disco singer? Pino D'Angio. Is he fine? No. Sure. Uh, <laughs> I'd go with Pino D'Angio. That'd it's be heaven. not. But uh, it is the Avengers movie theme song. Oh, I don't like the Avengers you movies. Don't like I them. don't care. I hate wow. superhero films. Wow. I thought you'd love the, the movie tie-in to it. Uh, I thought it was going to be like something out of Top Gun or something, but it's just not terrible. Oh, well, there we go. Apparently you didn't like it. I thought I was teeing you up, mate. I was just... Uh, uh, put it in the bin. It's too yeah, little. What else have you got there, mate? Tell me. Um, last one for mine, uh, actually two last ones. The crowd at the Mariners-Sydney game, it's really good to see crowds back at the Central Coast. I've been to a couple of games there. It's a very proud footballing region. And when it's been bad, the numbers have just been so bad and it's really sad to see. But, man, it's back. And I just think that's, for mine, 10,000 is the right number that an A-League game should be getting for for crowds. I think we're long gone the days of thirty to forty to fifty thousand for games. That may return, but I think for now ten thousand at most games, I'm really happy with that. So I don't think it's a bad, a bad number at all. I think it's really good, and the atmosphere is great up there. Um, 
Final one from me is uh, Nomadland winning Oscar for Best Picture. I know you would have been glued to your seat, Branson, but in a world of, oh, you know, racism and hatred and all of those things to see a film that is very wholesome in it and from a Chinese director as well, I think it's really good. Fantastic. Great. Are you excited by what that leads into as well, Branson? I have a feeling that I know where this is going to go. Okay. I think you do know. So, Branson, what what number Academy Awards do you think we had today? Oh, Jesus. Uh, the 88th. Oh, that's quite good. Okay. It's the Maybe. 93rd Academy Awards. Oh, within five. Cool. So, I'm going to give you a little bit of quiz on the Oscars but I'm not going to pick the aforementioned 93rd Branson. I'm going to pick the 73rd, and I'm going to take us back to 2001 Academy yep. Awards. Great. Yep. Take me And there. I'm going to quiz you on I'm probably going to pick three, three bits so that you can guess it. So in 2001, Branson, I want you to tell me which the best picture was the best picture winner at the Oscars 2001 out of these choices. Oh, I'm glad you're giving me options. Yeah. Traffic. Have you seen it? No. Nah. Cool. Aaron Brockovich. Also haven't seen it. Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. Heard of it, haven't seen it. Okay, good. Chocolat. Oh, neither heard of or seen it. Great film. Gladiator. Have heard of, have seen. I'm picking Good. that one. That okay. one won it. That one okay, did. so you're saying best picture, best picture 2001 was Gladiator. Yeah, Russell Crowe won something. Correct. Yeah. It was the best picture, Branson. That's it. It, it. Yeah, I don't remember picked movies that aren't best picture winners from 2001. <laughs> I only have space in my mind for, for the winner. For not the best picture winners. Um. Okay, well, let's <laughs> jump on to best director then. Surely. Best Picture winner would be also nominated for a Best Director, and it was. Ridley Scott was nominated. Steven Soderbergh was nominated for Aaron Brockovich. Ang Lee for Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. Stefan Daldry for Billy Elliot. And Steven Soderbergh for Traffic. Steven Soderbergh nominated for two films in one year as Best Director. Branson, who out of that list do you think won it? Soderbergh, for sure. Steven so Soderbergh did win it. I was going to numbers which, go. I'm like, he's in there twice? Or do I have which to pick film? One? Which, which film? Oh. Traffic or Aaron Brockovich? Traffic. Fucking two from three yeah. from two. That's really good, Brad. Um, yeah. I also feel like we have to watch some Steven Soderbergh films because I'm obsessed with Steven Soderbergh. Great. Is he good? I didn't know that he. Yeah. So he did like all the Ocean's Eleven films and uh, uh, he did Magic Mike. And Heard of that? Uh, Logan Lucky, which is very good as well. Right. So, right. Anyway, um, a couple of quick ones. Best actor nominated, Javier Bardem, who did feature on the pod earlier, or a previous pod. Tom Hanks for Castaway. Not himself, not himself. He was just mentioned. Yeah. Uh, Tom Hanks for Castaway. Ed Harris, Pollock. Jeffrey Rush for Quills. And Russell Crowe for Gladiator. Tom Hanks. For Castaway. Yeah. Fucking really good guess, but it was Russell Crowe for Gladiator. Oh. Wow. Um, Gladiator, double upping. Double yeah, upping? big time. Du- double okay. upping? 
Now we're just a final one. This can be the one that sees you out. Best actress in 2001 was Laura Linney for You Can Count On Me, Ellen Burstyn for Requiem for a Dream, Juliette Binoche for Chocolat, Joan Allen for The Contender, Julia Roberts for Erin Brockovich. What are your thoughts Ju- there, mate? Julia Roberts. Branson Gibson. You are good at films. You are good at Oscars. Apparently. Oscars. Wow. Julia Roberts did win for Erin Brockovich. Great performance. Have you seen it? No. 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 Definitely not. Jeez. No, that's great. And that brings us to the end of our film part of the podcast, Branson. I think you did really well there. Wow. Yes. Thanks. Uh, yeah, I've been rushing up on my uh, uh, movie knowledge by uh, not watching any more. It has, and it's absolutely made me identify that there is a point of our friendship where I have to show you, we have to do a Steven Soderbergh movie marathon. Be a great one. Um, We also need to do a marathon of football this weekend because there's a Friday night game, five games on the Saturday night and one on the Sunday. Nights kick us off against Dandenong City. That will be a ripper. And then on the Saturday, kicking off at 3 o'clock, we have three games. Eastern Lions hosting Altona Magic. Port Melbourne hosting Oakley Cannons. South Melbourne hosting Hume City. At 5 o'clock, Bentley Greens take on Green Gully for the Battle of the Greens. And Dandenong Thunder host Heidelberg at 7 p.m. On the Sunday, closing out the round, St. Albans Saints versus Avondale. In the women's, we have got all games. Oh, no, two games on Saturday, one on Sunday, one on Monday. Calder United host Heidelberg United, Alamein versus Bulleen, Bayside versus South Melbourne, and FE Emerging versus the Mighty Triangles. Now, the bit of the week that we hate most, Branson, is we have to sit back. We have to agree and we have to tip mostly incorrectly. Yes. Uh, so let's just break it onto the night. So Friday night, Knights versus Dandenong City. What do you think? I'm thinking the Knights. I'm thinking the Knights. Dandy City have looked better, but Melbourne Knights are going to be too good, I think. What okay. do you think? I think teamwork makes the dream work. Could have go Knights, even though yep. you're grotesquely wrong with that tip. And Daniel City are going to get their worst first win of the season. Wow. But we're still, hang on, so we're tipping the Knights? Yeah, absolutely. You've just got to deal with being wrong. Um, Eastern Lions versus Altona Magic. Surely Eastern Lions. I reckon. I reckon. Good. And if, uh, I mean, we'll tip them. But again, if Altona don't win, you know, real sort of problem stations, they're running. Like, if they can't beat Eastern Lions and they can't beat Dandenong, who are they going to beat? Don't know. But, yep, happy themselves. to tip um, Port, Port Melbourne versus Oakley Cannons. I think that's Oakley given their last week's performance and Port being a little bit lacklustre. Hard um, not to tip them. South Melbourne versus Hume. That's a big one. You'd almost say that's a draw. I think so. That's a tough one. That's a tough one. I think draw. Let's go draw. Let's play the draw. Um, Bentley Greens versus Green Gully. The Green Derby. God, that could be a draw. Yeah, 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 yeah. I really don't know. Both sides have been good throughout. Uh, well, not good, but have had patches of being good and have patches of being 
pretty bad. I think they're average. about the same point as each other. I'd say draw. Mm. I'd say draw yep. for that one. Yep. Um, Dandy on Thunder versus Heidelberg United. Oh, that's a tasty one because Dandy Thunder are up and about at the moment. They are. The results are a little bit misleading, but I think on the park they've looked quite good. But Heidelberg were very good this week. I think it's Heidelberg. I think it is. I think Heidelberg will just be too good. I think they're uh, uh, and the uh, sorry on another level. Yes. Um. Final match of the round: St Albans Saints versus Avondale. Ooh, got to be Avondale, surely. Yeah, it's a pretty easy win for them. I think you would think so. You would think I love the lack of confidence there. You would think so, and you would also think that that is us done, and you'd be mighty correct because that was a ripper episode. Um, I'm at Chambers here on Instagram. You're at Branson Gibson on Twitter. We have got at Semi Pro Potty on Twitter and Instagram. So give us a follow. Send us some hate mail, anything. Just you know, get in touch. We do like it. Um, let us know what games you go into the weekend, and thank you very much for joining us for Match Week Nine episode of Semi Pro Potty. recording do i sound good by the way you sound fucking brilliant oh that was kink hume hits st albans for six knights and gully share the points in a dramatic fashion dandy city get off the bottom of the table and brand gives his take on the oscars ladies and gentlemen it's match week nine of the semi-pro potty do you just want to punch the speaker a bit better then? I'm so sorry. Do we restart? <laughs> I'm, yeah, so, absolutely I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry.